Let's go ahead and look at our passage for today, which is Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. Here it is. Now, daughter who was under attack, you slash yourself in grief. A siege is set against us. You are striking the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the brothers, uh, the ruler's brothers, will return to the people of Israel, and he will stand and shepherd them, and the strength of the Lord and the majestic name of the Lord is God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. When Assyria invades our land, when it marches against our fortresses, we will raise against it seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. They will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod with a drawn blade. So he will rescue us from Assyria when it invades our land and when it marches against our territory. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we are gathered here in your presence, thankful, Lord God, that we can hear all that it is that you have for us here this morning, Lord. And I thank you that every time that we gather together, you are with us, you are present in our midst by the power of your spirit, Lord, and you're the God who always speaks in the mouth of your preachers. Lord, so I pray that these words that come out of my mouth would bear fruit, Lord, and they would accomplish the purpose for which you send them, Lord. And we are entrusting these things to your Precious spirit, in Christ's name, amen. So we have been looking at the book of uh, Micah uh, in our series, which we titled Future Now. Uh, Micah, Micah was a prophet in Israel around 740 B.C. That's a, that's a long time ago. And uh, so he, uh, it's the book we're looking at. And uh, this was a time of crisis for Israel. Uh, we've already mentioned uh, uh, part of the crisis, but there were kind of two volatile forces at work in the nation at that time, and the first was moral corruption. Leadership was corrupt. The people were walking away uh, from the Lord, and we've, we've talked about that uh, on numerous occasions already. The second um, uh, volatile force, like gas on a fire, uh, was the nation of Assyria, and which was a major crisis uh, for Israel at the time. And I have a map, right? I have a map. We're about ready to nerd out real quick. All right, look. Here it is. Just so you can know that this is real history, uh, the land of Assyria came down uh, to uh, Israel, and uh, uh, Israel was, because uh, this nation was getting so big and so strong, uh, had a political alliance with them. So rather than trusting in the Lord, they trusted in political power against their enemies. Uh, at one point, Assyria had come down and uh, captured the capital city of the northern part of Israel, which was Samaria, captured all the villagers, the villages and towns, and then they got all the way up to the gates of Jerusalem. And God eventually delivered them from uh, Syria. But this is what Micah is talking about in Micah chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Now, daughter, that's talking about Jerusalem, who is under attack, you slash yourself in grief, a siege is set against us, and they are striking the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. So Israel was under attack, and they were being utterly humiliated. All their leadership was just being made a mockery of, and it was a serious time of crisis. And uh, 
we also live in a time of crisis. I know most of you know that, unless you live in a cave somewhere here in the community. Um, you know that we live in a time of crisis uh, in the world uh, and in our, our country. We live in a time of crisis uh, in Christianity, in the church, in our country. Roughly 20% of churchgoers stopped going uh, after 2020, and they haven't returned. That's what the Bible calls that apostasy, which means they have abandoned their faith by abandoning the church. Um, I'm extremely hopeful, though. I'm extremely hopeful, uh, encouraged, I'm happy, but it has been very discouraging over the past uh, three years to watch leaders that I respected in the past um, fail to have the courage to stand up for biblical truth on things that matter the most. We live in uh, a time of crisis in politics. Uh, we have election coming up this year, and everything is going completely normal right now. Um, but it might get more interesting. Nobody laughed at that. Um, things are not normal, uh, if you haven't uh, noticed. Right? Maybe you haven't watched the news. Uh, lately, this is a time of distrust and confusion, corruption, division. And we're just going to scratch the surface here this morning for a little bit. But we live in a time of personal crisis. And we know that. I think we feel it. We feel the anxiety and the, the fear and the hopelessness and despair and um, no hope for the future um, in people's lives. Suicide deaths are at the high, uh, highest they've ever been. The suicide rate in our country jumped 10% just in the last two years. So more people are dying from suicide and drugs than any other thing. Right? And they call this death a death of despair. So people are despairing of life, and they're just ending it through overdosing um, and uh, suicide. And I think we understand that. Maybe at the time you felt that despair, or you've sensed it, or you've had the same anxiety. But here's the, here's the good news. It was into a crisis that Micah spoke these words. And you know what? Micah still speaks. Micah still speaks because these are the words of the living God that have been written down and recorded to us, so they speak into the midst of our lives and our community, into our crisis. And what he says is, is surprising. The word of hope is about the birth of a baby. How about that? There's, there's a crisis in the nation. What do you need? A beautiful baby. Look at what it says in uh, verse uh, 2, Micah 5. Bethlehem Ephrathah. You are small amongst the clans of Judah, and one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is, in, is from antiquity, from ancient times. Now, chances are, if you are familiar with the book of Micah, this is the passage that, um, that you know, right? Uh, it is often read during the uh, Christmas season uh, because one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, quoted this when the wise men came looking for the Messiah, that is Jesus. He said, all right. All right, uh, Matthew quotes the, the, the priest and the scribes at the time, said, all right, this is where the Messiah is to be born, is in Bethlehem. And he, they quoted Micah chapter uh, 5, verse 2. And so Matthew says that this passage is a prophecy about the home place of Jesus, which is Bethlehem. You guys remember your home place? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually originally from uh, the southern part of West Virginia, a little town called Polka. Polka, West Virginia, right outside of uh, Charleston, the capital, about uh, 20 minutes or so. And uh, we moved up here when I was uh, 10 years old. 
But a couple years ago, I was in the Huntington area, Huntington, Charleston area, and I took my girls to my home place, which I hadn't been for a long time. And it just flooded back all these memories of, of growing, up at, growing up on Hyzer Creek. Yeah, when you, when you grew up on a creek, you're like a real West Virginian, right? Up a holler on a creek. Yeah, that's me, believe it or not. Um, but this passage is talking about the home place of Jesus. So we're going to notice a couple things here. Uh, the first is Jesus born in Bethlehem reminds us of how humble his home place was. That's what it says there. It says, Bethlehem, Ephraim, you are small amongst the clans of Judah. So the hope of Israel came from the most unlikely of places and the most unlikely of people, a baby uh, of, of, all, of all things. Uh, a baby from a small town. All the hopes of Israel. That's what this prophecy is about. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien, in his book, uh, The Lord of the Rings, uh, the, or the, the uh, first book in that trilogy called The Fellowship of the Ring, we're introduced to this uh, creature named Gollum. Right? And Gollum uh, finds this ring of power, right? and he just worships this ring. Right? It, it enslaves him, and he just, it's the precious. You know? he, he loves the ring, and it just makes him into uh, an animal. But this is what it says there about, uh, about that. Uh, Tolkien says, it, the ring abandoned Gollum, but something happened that the ring did not intend. It was picked up by the most unlikely creature imaginable, a hobbit, Bilbo Baggins of the Shire. For the time will soon come when hobbits will shape the futures of all. So this ring that was destroying all of Middle Earth was found by the most unlikely creature, a small, little, hairy man uh, named Bilbo Baggins, right? And the hobbits would obviously, they would save the world from destruction. So same, was Jesus, same with Jesus. He was born into humble circumstances. Think about this. When Jesus was born in his home place, he was homeless. He had, he had no, no place to be born. When Mary gave birth to, uh, to Jesus, uh, no one would welcome them into uh, their home. Jesus was not welcomed into the world. Jesus is like the ultimate country boy, by the way. Right, you know of anybody who was born in a barn? Jesus was literally born in a barn. Yeah, they placed him in a manger, which, by the way, is a feeding trough for animals. Think about this. Jesus Christ came into the world and was born and placed into a place where we feed animals. And here's what makes this so amazing and so wonderful is at the, the end of that passage there in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. We can go back to that real quick. Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says... His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. And see, this is ultimately why we can find hope in Jesus, is because Jesus' origin is from ancient times. Jesus said things like this, I came into the world. Now, if I told you, hey, I came into Berkeley Springs, what would your question, what would your question be in your mind? Where'd you come from? Right? Well, I came into Berkeley Springs from Polka in the southern part uh, of West Virginia when I was 10 years old. This passage is saying that Jesus came from ancient times. Right? Here's the, here's the deal. Jesus has always been God. He is eternally God, and he's always been there with God. This is what Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 clearly uh, says. Look at this. He, this is talking about Jesus, he is before all things. 
just look at those words for a second and think about it, if that's true. Just try to wrap your mind around that. Before the universe existed, before there were any galaxies and stars and planets, Jesus was there. And he wasn't created. He's just existed in and of himself for all of eternity. I love what uh, J.I. Packer says in his book, uh, Knowing God, which, by the way, if you haven't read that, you need to pick that up and read that. It's a fabulous uh, book. The Christmas message, which the birth of Christ, the Christmas message, rests on the staggering fact that the child in the manger was God. Think about that. That baby that was placed into the feeding trough was God coming into the world. The crucial significance of the cradle at Bethlehem lies in its place in the sequence of steps down that led the Son of God to the cross of Calvary. And this is the only hope that we have for ourselves. The only hope that we have for the church, for our community, and for the world is that the baby who was born in the manger was God. And here's why that's important. Only God can save you from your sins. Right? Only God can save you uh, from yourself and from, your, from the crisis that we see in our, in our country, in the church, in politics, within ourselves. Only God can save you from your inner demons. Right? And uh, this baby Jesus, as Packer says, headed down the steps that led him to the cross. And Jesus died at the cross as a sacrifice in our place for our sins, to save us from our sins, right? And uh, he rose from the dead as Lord over all the earth, right? Jesus overcame uh, the, the, the greatest enemy in our life, which is death. Jesus rose victoriously over that, and he is Lord. And guess what? He is still there. It doesn't matter who it is. There's no, uh, no, nobody can knock Jesus off his throne. He is there no matter what, and God is accomplishing all of his purposes, all of his plans, all of his promises through the risen Christ. This means there's real hope for you. There is real hope for you in Christ. Absolutely. There's real hope for our, our community. And God is doing real stuff through Jesus. This is not religion that we're talking about. Religion is coming to a building, going through some, doing some stuff, singing some songs, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about Jesus is doing stuff. In our community, like changing people's lives, saving people, rescuing people. All right, that's number one. Number two is the return of the brothers. Look at verse three, the return of the brothers. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the brothers will return to the people of Israel. So when the baby is born, the brothers come home. You see that? The question is, when is this going to happen? When is, when, is this, when is all this stuff going to happen? When the brothers are going to uh, return to Israel? Uh, when Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary gives birth to Jesus. So here's what that means. That already happened. That happened like 2,000 years ago. So the brothers have been coming home to the people of Israel for 2,000 uh, two, years. It's already happened, and it continues to have ripple effects even here and, and even now. Um, it was hot last week, and uh, on Monday, on Labor Day, me and my family went over to uh, the Kekapin River, and we just got up there on, on some rocks and just jumped in the river, right? And we were just laying out there, just, just cooling off, you know, just having a good time. Um, but the birth of Jesus is like a cannonball, 
right? You know, when you go do a cannonball into the water, it makes a big, big splash and all these waves and, 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 and ripple, ripple effects, right? So the birth of Jesus happened 2,000 years ago, and those waves continue to splash against us, right? Uh, the, the water from the cannonball of Jesus into history continues to affect us even here and even now. So Jesus Christ came into the world, God in the flesh, and he lived, right? He lived and, and uh, accomplished all the righteousness of God, and he died so that you could come home to God. Now is the time. Now is the time for people to be coming home to God and to join Israel, to join what God has done and the promises that he's made uh, from the very beginning. Jesus Christ is the risen Lord calling people from all backgrounds and all nations to come home. The question is, do you need to come home here this morning? Do you need to come home to God? Jesus Christ, God has done everything necessary for you to come home, and he's calling you to come home. And here's the good news. You can come home. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and something deep inside of you is saying, this is true. This is right. I need this in my life. Just come on home now. Come on home. Be welcomed into the family. Welcome, welcome into, all you got to do is believe in Christ. Believe in Jesus. All right, and just join, join what uh, we're doing here. This also means that Jesus has broken down all the barriers that divide people. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. This is a great passage. Look at this. It's talking about Christians, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. What wonderful news. Because we live in a time of crisis. We live in, uh, these are tribal times and divided times and isolated times and lonely times. Think about what, what, are the, what are the reasons that people divide in our community? What are the divisions here? People uh, divide up over age, right? Older people look down upon the younger people. Man, those young whippersnappers, they don't, they don't know anything about life. And when I grew up, you know, and the, and the younger people uh, make fun of the older people and they think they're ridiculous and they're old and traditional and don't know anything about whatever, right? We got all the generations, Right, we got the greatest generation, we got Generation Z, and we divide up uh, over these uh, things. We divide up by class. We hang out with people who have the similar amount of money than we do. Right? We divide up uh, by hobbies. We hang out with people who do stuff that we like to do. Right? People uh, play golf or they like to hunt, so I hang out with those people. Or other people like to quilt. Those are my friends. I only hang out with people who, who quilt or, or whatever, whatever it might be. This passage is saying that Jesus is doing something different, which is building the brothers, all the brothers, from all different backgrounds and classes and ages and interests into the church. In the church, we are united by Jesus and in Christ. And that's like a reality. That's like a real thing. Like, if you're a Christian, you are united to Jesus with other Christians. And it doesn't matter what your hobbies are or what your skin color is or what nation you're from or what, how much money you got. 
You're one in Christ. And we need to believe that. So what divides people out there ought not divide us in here. So, Jesus Christ has broken down every barrier that keeps you from truly being friends with one another. Which means, really, acting like friends. And living like your friends. Not just here on Sunday morning, like when you come in and be like, hey, great to see you, man. That's my buddy right there. But throughout the week, like, this is my friend. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live like I'm friends with this person. Let me ask you a question. What would it look like for you to be a friend to someone who's different than you here? Maybe they're a lot younger than you. Right? Maybe they got uh, a lot more money than you or a lot less. You know, or maybe they're into something like you're like, I am, that is the most boring thing. Like they're into playing board games or something. You're like, I despise board games. But you can play board games because you want to be uh, friends with that person. And also, listen, you do not have to be lonely at this church. You, you, lonely days are over. Right? You do not have to be lonely anymore or not have good friends in your life uh, anymore. So I'm going to put the challenge to you. If you're feeling lonely, you're feeling like you don't have friends, come out to community group and make those folks your friends. I highly recommend it. I give it five stars. Okay? Uh, all right, number three, the security you can trust. Look at verse four. He will stand, that's Jesus, and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord and the majestic name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. I uh, looked up uh, a popular security system uh, website, and this is, this is what it said. Put a shield around your home and create a worry-free, highly advanced home, home security system for you and your loved ones. This passage makes it clear that Jesus Christ is a shield for our lives. Right? And, and because of that, because Jesus Christ is a shield for our lives, we can live a worry-free life. What wonderful news. Don't you want to live a worry-free life, free from anxiety? You can calm down a little bit uh, and not stress out all the time. Listen, we live in a time of crisis. We live in a time of crisis. It means people don't feel secure. Do you feel secure here this morning? Are you living secure? Everyone is looking for security. It doesn't matter who you are or how tough you are or whatever, you know. Everyone is looking to find security, some, someone, someplace, or something. Financial security is what a lot of people put their hope in, right? And this, this affects us in a lot of different ways. Uh, some people, they got it all together, right? They got their retirement. They got their, their home. You know, they got everything set up and all their investments and the money's coming in. And they're like, I'm good. Right? And they got confidence uh, as a result. Other people, um, maybe, maybe you don't have as much money, but you just don't care. And you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. You know, and, you know, that's how you think about financial security. But other people, it's, it's fear. I think that's where a lot of people are at. When they, they, they put their hope in finances in regard to the future, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uh, anxiety. It is very shaky ground. Where would you say you're at? here this morning in regards to finding hope in financial security. I want you to listen to 1 uh, uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Look what it says. It says, instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant. Look at this. To set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. See that? Wealth is very uncertain. I think we know that. 
but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Look at that. Look at how amazing. Listen, we ought to put our hope in God who, look at that, richly provides us with all things so that we have a miserable time. No, to enjoy. God provides us with good things to enjoy in this life. All right, listen, think about this. If God has provided you with Jesus, that's your biggest need. You can trust him with the rest. All right, you can trust him uh, with the rest of your life. We have a father that knows our needs, and he provides for them richly. God is not withholding his blessings from us. All right, I would say if we really thought about it in comparison, like we're pretty rich up in here. Family is another security system that people have, but this security system is very unreliable. Families are a huge blessing, aren't they? They're a, they're a huge blessing, but it's so fragile. It's so fragile. People in your family, I don't care if you have the best family in the world. Like, you guys are church folks. You love Jesus, right? Well, you're still a sinner. They're still sinners. They're going to hurt you. They're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. They're not Jesus, by the way. They're not a savior, uh, they're going to um, neglect you or abuse you. People in your family can leave you and abandon you. People in your family get sick and diseased, and you lose them. Jesus wants you to have real security, and it's only in him and in nothing else. And you know what? Here's the good news. When you, when you truly have your security and your rest in Jesus, it frees you to actually love people properly. Because if you're putting all your eggs in other people's baskets, you're putting a weight on them that only Jesus can bear. Right? Only Jesus can bear the weight of your security in life. And no other human being uh, can do that. That's a lot of pressure. Um, look, what, look what Jesus himself said. Here's what I'm saying. Jesus can handle you. He can t- he, he's got you, okay? John chapter 10, verse 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Look at this. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What amazing good news. What, what amazing security we can, have, we can have in Christ. You know, and and uh, to put all of our life uh, into his hand. Um, listen, there's just, what I'm saying is there's something better out there for you than putting your hope and your security in anything other than Jesus. There's a better way. There's a path to real and lasting security because our security is in the shepherd. That's what this passage says. Back there in verse 4, he says, He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord is God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. I love that how it stands. It says that he will stand. See, Jesus Christ is standing because he got up and walked out of the grave unscathed. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's alive, and he is our shepherd. Jesus Christ feeds us with his word in the church. Jesus Christ gives us wise counsel through brothers and sisters and through leadership in the church Um, which is a place of security and rest. If you're out there on your own making decisions by yourself, that's dangerous. Those are are dangerous grounds to be on because the Bible says do not be wise in your own eyes, right? That there is wisdom in many counselors. Our security is connected to his security system. Think about that. 
Our security in life is connected to his security system, which means that he is able to protect us. He is able to carry us through all the way to the very end because our life is in his hands. Not, imagine if your life was in your hands. How would that go? I know how it would go for me. Thank God it's in the shepherd's hands. Why is it that Jesus, we can find this type of security in Jesus? Well, it's what this passage says. Right there, it's because it's in the strength of the Lord that he does this. It's in the majestic name of the Lord his God. All of the infinite power of God that spoke the universe into existence. God used words and created galaxies. God, Jesus Christ, holds all things together. So all the infinite power that God has, Jesus Christ himself owns. Because he himself is God. This is why we're able to find real security, real rest in him. Notice this. It says here that when we rely on his power and his security, that power goes out from us to other people. Did you see that? They will live securely for them. It is when we find our security, our identity, everything, we put it all into the hands of Jesus, it is then and then only that his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. And why is that? Why is it that when we're secure in Christ, we're confident in Jesus, his greatness and his power goes out? Here's why. Because the world is in a shambles and in chaos and in a crisis, and we're not. That's attractive, isn't it? The power of God is at work so that we can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and the world is falling apart, and they have no clue why. And we're like, come on in here. Come on, get you some of this. Come on in here and find this security. Find, where else are you going to find it? All right, it's beautiful. Lastly, the peace that lasts. Look at verse 5. He will be their peace. How amazing is that? When Assyria invades our land, when it marches against our fortresses, we will raise against it seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. Um, we have some uh, furniture in our house that we bought online. And uh, we also have some that we went and got or that was uh, delivered. Now, I like the kind that is delivered or you go and get somewhere a lot better. Because that stuff that is uh, delivered to your house, I got to put it together. And I always make this commitment, I am never going to put something else together again the rest of my life. But for some reason, I keep putting this junk furniture together and I set on it, you know, and it breaks, right? It is, it's stuff is just cheap. It's, it's disposable, right? The ways in which we try to find peace today are just like disposable furniture. It looks nice, feels good, gives me all the warm, fuzzy feelings, you know what I mean? But then you go to sit on it and it ain't got enough strength to bear you up. And it breaks. And there's no, there's no peace. And we could run through a list of things, just like we just did with uh, security. Right? But here's how we do it. We want a life that's trouble-free. Owen, this is our culture. We just talked about this last, last week. We want to avoid pain at all costs. Safe, secure, I mean, my, minus Jesus and everything. Safe, secure, at peace, no pain. Well, if that's how we feel, good luck with that. Because we live in a time of crisis, and there's very little peace. 
But this passage offers us such wonderful good news. It says that even if you're going through trouble, even if you are in the midst of pain, even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be your peace. How about that? Where else can you go to find that? He will be our peace. Now notice, notice it says here, he will be their peace. Peace is a person. You see that? Peace is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where it's found. Isaiah uh, was a prophet at the same time uh, as Micah, and he also spoke about this peace. He also spoke about this baby that was to be born in this passage that we read during Christmas time in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He would be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Do you see that? Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Peace is found only in Jesus because Jesus Christ died to make peace between you and God. Jesus Christ at the cross, because of our sins, we become enemies of God. The wrath of God rests upon us in this life. That Jesus Christ at the cross bore the full wrath of God and the judgment of God so that you could be reconciled to God and go from an enemy, an object of his wrath, to being his friend. That's why he died. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead to reconcile you to one another. All the hostility and all the division and all the apathy and all the lack of love, Jesus Christ died to remove that, to reconcile you to one another. And Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. And one day he's going to return to finish what he started in Bethlehem to make peace with everything. Jesus Christ is not going to zap us out of this world to take us off to someplace else. Heaven is coming down to make peace. He says, I'm coming to make everything new again. He's coming to make peace with all things. He's coming to take all the sin out of the world and all the death and all the misery and all the hatred, all the hostility, and to put it all up underneath of his feet. But this starts in the church. The church is like a, uh, like a sampler. You know, like if you go to a restaurant and you get a, you get a, you get a sampler, or you go to a barbecue restaurant and you get the brisket, you know, and you get the ribs, you get the chicken, you just, the sausage, and you just sample a little bit of everything. The church is a sample of the peace to come. The Bible says the church is a new creation, right? That in the midst of all this chaos out here, up in here, in the church, we got a little sample of the peace, right? The Bible says that the church is the, is the, um, uh, is, is a harvest, a, a fruit that's going to be gathered up when, uh, when uh, Christ returns. And this is what Micah is talking about in verse 5 when he mentions uh, these seven shepherds and uh, eight leaders. I don't know if you guys uh, saw that. Go back one on the slide, uh, Brandon. We can take a look at this. Yeah, so it says, all right, he's going to be our peace when this happens. And then we're going to raise up the seven shepherds and the eight leaders. This is a, this is a Hebrew poetic device. Seven, eight. All right, it just means we're going to have the right leadership. We're going to have qualified leadership. We're going to have adequate uh, leadership when Jesus uh, is our peace. It goes on in verse 6, Micah chapter 5, verse 6. These shepherds, they will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod with the drawn blade. I like that, with the drawn blade, with the sword, the knife. So he will rescue us from Assyria when it invades our land and when it marches against 
our territory. So this is what Micah is doing. Micah is looking out into the future, and he sees this vision. He sees the enemies of God, but he sees these pastors and these shepherds being raised up, these qualified leaders to do battle against the enemies of God. So he uses the past to talk about now and what's happening in the world now. All these things are being fulfilled uh, in Jesus. And notice, notice here that um, these pastors are going to shepherd. See that? They will shepherd. Look at this line right here, though. So he will rescue us. You see that? Here's what's going on. God brings his peace, his protection into our lives in the church through qualified pastoral leadership. Amen and hallelujah. Right, that's, that's just how it works. God gifts the church with qualified leadership to ensure its peace and safety. Let me show you this from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 14 and 15. It's talking about Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, teachers. Right? So God gifts pastoral leadership with all these type of giftings. Right? It says, when this happens, then the church will no longer be little children. It means we're going to grow up and be mature and be respectable, and be immovable and be stable. We're no longer tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching or every Facebook post or every YouTube video or whatever else we're into. Every politician by human cunning and cleverness of deceit. See, when God gifts his church... With qualified leaders, there is peace. Right? It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. There's, there's life in the church. There's fruit being born. People are actually growing up in their faith and becoming mature disciples of Christ, no longer being immature, right? no longer believing in strange doctrines and weird teachings and things like that, but actually being a godly, mature, holy Christians. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into him who is the head, which is Christ. Now, our passage in Micah chapter 5, where does it say God is going to do all these things? It says, in the land of Assyria and Nimrod. That's enemy territory, by the way. What, it, what it's saying here is that um, no crisis can stop Jesus. How about that? that? That there was a crisis for the nation of Israel. Nothing could stop God from fulfilling his promises to them. We live in a time of crisis. No crisis can stop the, cross, stop the Christ. All we got to do is look back to the cross. Is there any bigger crisis than the cross of Jesus Christ? When, he, when, when the Son of God died on the cross for our sins, that's a pretty big crisis, by the way. But all we got to do is look to the empty tomb to know that um, our God specializes in times of crisis. And that gives us hope. That means we can have peace Right here and right now, Jesus himself said that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. This means at the, in the times of crisis, the church is actually leading the way. The church is actually on the offensive right at the gates of hell, preaching the good news of the gospel. And this is happening right now, right? These promises are coming true, and this is the good news that we want to respond to.